0: You are listening to the 12 Stone Podcast. For more information on our eight locations or service times, please visit 12stone.com. Now enjoy Pastor Kevin Myers as he delivers What is He Building in You? We, the church, who were far from God have been brought near to Him, united into one people. So, whether you're on the first day of the job or the last day in the workforce, whether you're a grandparent or a grandchild, you are God's holy people, members of His family, founded on Jesus Christ. And together, we are His church.
1: So welcome to 12 stone across the campuses. It's so good to see you today and we are wrapping up this vision conversation and with it, we have, if you will, something of a final question. So let's, let's look at the question today. When God is, is, is calling you to, to build and to belong. Here it is. When God invites us to belong and build his vision with him, what is he building in you? This is the question today. See, when God calls us to to Vision 2021, and when God stirs things in us, and when we walk throughout the movies, and and we do a little bit of Hacksaw Ridge, and Marley and and me, and last weekend radio, and and along that way, learn something about the the Grand Canyon size scope of vision to transform souls, transform families, transform communities, and all of this, all of this is held together by Jesus. It's because of Jesus, and then we as a people, of course, are rooted in prayer, we We've been talking through all of this together as a church, but but when God invites us to belong and build something of like a vision 2021, what is God building in you? What's God building in you individually, uniquely as a as a as a multi generational church? <laughs> In fact, we have multiple generations represented. We could put the age categories like some of us are 30 and under. Some of us are 30 to 50. You'll find your age somewhere in here. And some of us are are 50 and over. You know where you are. We lie a little bit, cheat a little bit on that, but that's okay. You know where you are. And a multi-generational church, which we have gotten to become over time. I mean, like, in the early days of the church, we were all 30 and under. I mean, that's, that's just where we start. In fact, the oldest person in the church turned 40, and it was mind-blowing. It was like, oh my, get a headstone, you know. I mean, it's just, it's over for him. It's It's unfortunate. But in a multi-generational church now, you get—we have all ages, all stages. And, and, and back then, you, you just had to listen to me teach. Now, now we got multiple generations. We get to hear from a Miles or or hear through a Jason or or through a Sean. And we we like like Paul raised up Timothy. Twelve so he gets to raise up multiple leaders and communicators and teachers like our campus pastors and all the ages and stages and ranges and generations and and next generation like the camp. K- like, the, like the, the, the student leaders, and my goodness, we get to bring in people occasionally like a John Maxwell who's on, on the other end of the scale 70s. And, and when God builds a multi-generational church, the question is, what is he doing in you? In all these generations, when he calls us to vision, what's he building in you see, sometimes we get the idea that that in this vision thing that, they, well, that's supposed to take something from me. Oh, no, no, no. God's using that to pour something in you to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think. That was Paul's prayer over the church. Look at this from Ephesians chapter 3. He said, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with what, church? Power. Say it again. He may strengthen you with what? Power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And he goes on. Now to him who is able to do far abundantly more far abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the power at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations and as God's working throughout all generations there are things that he is building in each one of us and so what is he building well I think a great illustration kind of example Of When someone dedicates themselves to the vision that God has for them, what God builds in them is the life of David. God did exceedingly abundantly beyond and more than David could ever have imagined, and that's what he'll do in you, in me, in all of us, at all stages and ages of generations. In fact, In fact, it seems that in David's life, there were three distinct things. And and, and we'll put these on uh, on the TV. I want you to jot these down. Maybe this is helpful for your note-taking. Three distinct things that God is doing in us all at the same time, but perhaps one dominates to anchor identity, to take territory, and to build legacy. Across all the campuses, I want you to say that with me. Just everyone say these three thoughts together and we'll unpack them. The first one is what? Anchor identity. The next is what? Take territory, the next is what? Build legacy. See, what if when we lean into God's vision, when we belong and build, when we buy in, what if the thing God's building in us is to help us anchor identity, take territory, and build legacy? These are the things he did in David's life. And while all three of these are happening at all the same time, what if one of them dominates? at one season of your life. See, I think that's true. So let's, let's play that out. I think that, that we can find in the life of David some insight and, and play this out like anchor identity. I think that's dominant in the 30 and under. So, so if you wanna take some notes, let's, let's have a little conversation here about those 30 and under. Maybe the thing God's most desiring to build in you is to help you anchor identity. See, God helped David anchor identity in his 30 and under years. And he had to answer the question, where do I anchor my identity? Where where am I going to lean into? And during that season of 30 and under, uh, before David ever became king, God was forming the character of a king. Listen, maybe you're in the 30 and under group. And, and we have imaginations, and you do, dreams of, of the kingship. It, it doesn't literally physically mean kingship. We just, we just mean the, the idea of the, the place God will take you for accomplishment and in life and in career and, and family and all that God might want to do in and through you for his kingdom. But before he really gives you some of the fullness and the impact of what you imagine God could do in and through you, all that God's imagined, the abundantly above all he could ask and you could ask or think, Maybe the thing he's trying to root in you is where do you anchor, where do you set your identity? Resolve it in him. And what if resolve identity is what he's doing? I don't, I don't get lost in the age thing. It doesn't 30 and under 25 and under 32 and under that. That's not relevant. What's relevant is that this is the season of time when you can form early and settle in your soul. Where's your identity? Now, David, let's talk about his life. Before David ever came on the scene, uh, uh, we didn't know anything about him except at about the age of 12 to 15, he was a shepherd. In fact, nobody really wanted David on the scene. S- Samuel, the prophet, uh, came to, his, to, to David's father, Jesse. He said, Jesse, I want you to assemble all of your sons. God's going to anoint the next king. And, and, and he assembled all of his sons minus David. In other words, he didn't even think David was worth, was worth kind of bringing to the, to the line of sons. So he put seven of his sons in front of the prophet. And, 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 and Samuel looked at all of them and he saw the, the firstborn, Eliab. And he thought Eliab was going to be the man. And Eliab probably thought he was going to be the man. And the firstborn usually got the privilege. And then, and then here's what we read. In 1 Samuel 16, do not consider his appearance or his height. That's just noteworthy. He was quite tall. (laughs) Don't even bother with his height. (laughs) Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the what, everybody? Heart. Say it again. Couldn't hear you. He looks at the what? Heart. Heart. See, God looks at the heart. So, so don't look at Eliab and assume, oh, this is going to be a great king. So God didn't choose any of those 70, and he said through Samuel, where's the other sons? And Samuel said, well, Jesse, do you have any more sons? He says, well, I have one more. And, and Samuel was ticked. He's like, I told you to bring all your sons. He says, so we're going to stand here. We're not even going to sit, and we're going to wait. And when David shows up, they had to pull him out of the field. He was just a shepherd, just a young boy, maybe 12 to 15. And when he showed up, here's what God put in the soul of Samuel. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. That is David. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. In a sense, you could say, began to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that David could have imagined. Because the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the what, everybody? The heart. Because the heart is where you anchor your identity, your sense of who you are. The Lord is my creator. I am here by his purpose, on purpose, for a purpose. And he links it with God. In fact, later on in Samuel, it says that he was a man after God's own heart. Later on, he wrote in in his life as king, the Lord is my shepherd. And he was drawing all the way back from these days when he was just a shepherd boy and he had this imagery, this picture of of sheep who would follow the shepherd that even though the sheep would be mixed in multiple flocks, as soon as the various shepherds walked up and spoke, the sheep would know the voice of their shepherd. And David says, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me. That's why Jesus used that picture in John chapter 10. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. See, David is talking about the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me. In the 30 and under season, you settle. Who is your shepherd? If you're 30 and under, who's your shepherd? Whose voice? do you listen to? In a world of voices, you gotta pick whose voice leads. Hmm. Is that the culture? Is it popularity? What is the voice that has the most influence in your life? Now, this past week, I took note that Kanye West put out an album that's getting some attention. I don't want to have the conversation you might think I want to have right now. Okay, so, so as soon as I say that, everybody has, oh, oh, I have all sorts of thoughts about that. All I want to do is take note of something. So, so here was a couple of the quotes. He put out an album. His album is worship and honoring God. And, and here was the quote, the, the, the quotes that got my attention. He's making music for God, and he's a changed man. This is like what the external news media is saying. This is the interview. He's making music for God, and he is a changed man. Kanye may perform his old songs, listen to what he said, but with different, likely God-inspired lyrics. In other words, here's what he said. He said, we may play the old beats, but I'm going to put different lyrics to it because I'm not the man I used to be. Listen, when, when, when Jesus becomes your shepherd, you change the songs you sing. That's what happens. When you, just, I'm not telling you to follow Kanye. I'm, I don't even want to go down that road. What I'm saying is follow Jesus. And when you settle where you find your identity, you'll change the song of your life, the lyrics of your life. That's what we're in for, for God to transform souls. I watched that happen this past week with with many baptisms, but one with Brandon, a young man, all the students across the campuses this past Wednesday celebrated night of worship. You just, you gotta enjoy this baptism. Check it out. This is Brandon, he's a 10th grader at Brookwood, coming at you from the Snowville campus.
0: Yeah, yeah and I, I just wanna share some of his story. Uh, Brandon, he, he grew up going to church and, and all that, but uh, he kinda of felt like he was missing a connection that other people seemed to have with God. And then, kinda of feeling like that connection was missing turned to anger when his parents got divorced. Started to wonder, why would God let this happen to my family? And, and although Brandon continued to be around church, uh, he, he got caught up in some addictions. He stayed connected to the church, though. And one Wednesday night at S12, it was during worship, and, and he said, I, I can't do this anymore. I need to find my way out of these addictions. I need to find freedom. So he grabbed Will Bandy, his uh, community group leader, and uh, and uh, they went out into a living room and just kind of talked for a while. And Brandon Brandon spilled the beans. He talked about everything that was going on in his life. And he said, I don't want this anymore. And through a conversation with Will that night on the couch in the living room, Brandon accepted Christ. And so tonight, Brandon's here to get baptized. And we got Will here to baptize him. Will, take over, man. How are you doing, buddy? Um, I just want you to know I love you. And I will always be here for you. Okay, and I meant that when I said it the first time thank you for searching me out and bring me into that living room Okay, it was probably the best 10 minutes of my life <laughs> But anyways, I want to bring up something that Trey Hildebrandt said uh, this past Sunday He said that baptism is not the finish line, but it's the starting line and With that man, I got two questions asked you Do you trust Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? Yes. Do you commit to fall on the rest of the days of your life? Yes all right, brethren, it's with that profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
1: Come on, church. Now, first of all, we're celebrating a young man going from death to life. What does all of heaven do when just one? Oh, yeah, all of heaven. And this, this isn't for Brandon. This is for Jesus. That's all for Jesus. All the praise to him. He alone makes it possible for someone to be transformed from death to life. And when he does that, you change where you center, anchor your identity. It's now in him. And here's this young generation rising up and God settling early in his soul. Where do you find your identity? And I love Will. Did you catch that? I mean, Will is his community leader. He's a a volunteer. But here's a 20-something pouring into the life of next generation. And by the way, Will has a sense of call to ministry himself. He said, the, did you hear it? The best 10 minutes of my life was a chance to lead you to Jesus. I mean, that's just a beautiful thing in the kingdom. Anchor, anchor your identity early. And it frees God up to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think. See, David became a giant slayer, as they call him. Goliath. He gives giant-sized faith. Goliath-sized faith to a rising generation. You know, you know, David took down Goliath when he was like, what, a 17, 18 years old. Here's all of Israel facing the giant Goliath. And David shows up. He wasn't invited to be a part of the army of the war. David shows up, and God gave him Goliath-sized faith that nobody else in the army had. You know, just something, just just a side note. If you know the story, this takes my attention. Nobody invited David to the moment when Samuel was going to anoint the next king, and nobody invited David to the war against Goliath, but God did. (laughs) But what? God did. Say again, but what? Let's see. Rising generation, sometimes you're not invited it seems, to the things that God is doing. But God invites you. And God says, listen, I have put stuff in you. And if you will anchor your identity in me early, seal it, make me your shepherd, change the song that you sing in your soul to truly follow me, I will give you Goliath-sized faith. You'll do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ask or imagine because I'll do it through you. Amen, church? That's good. That's stuff for 30 and under. We got another group among us, though. This is the 30 to 50 group, and that's the season where you take territory. Now, it doesn't mean that you've solved all identity issues and never wrestle with it again. you got to keep it anchored. It doesn't mean that you don't build a legacy, the third of the three thoughts, but what it means is in that season of life, you're primarily taking territory, and David became king when he was 30, at least king over Judah, and then he became king over all of Israel seven years later and during those seasons, he was taking territory, and here's what I mean. Here's how it applies to all the rest of us. When you're 30 to 50, give or take, just roughly speaking, when you're 30 to 50, you are in the season of life to take territory. I mean, this is usually the season where if you're single, you just go after it in career and activities, but mainly career, unlike any other season of your life. you If, if you get married, you tend to get married in that season. You tend to have children. You're consumed with career. You're consumed with get a house, get a place to live, make life happen. You're consumed with having children, and the stages of having kids, and multiple kids, and then attending to their education, and their activities, and all the demands of the time, and, and, and the collision of money, and time, and energy. It is perhaps the most exhausting season of life, and all the parents said, amen. I mean, this is just like, oh my goodness, how much can anybody do? You're just, you're always feel like you're running behind. (gasps) People say, don't you wish you could go back? No. (laughs) Oh, no, I do not. I enjoyed it. Thank God I'm through it. But here's what you got to answer. Here's the question. What is the most, here we go. What is the most important territory for me to take? Listen, if you're 30 to 50, write it down, get it in your head, get it in your heart. What is the most important territory for you to take in that season of life? David took territory, he became king, he began to advance across the, the territories and accomplish the things that God called him to for the sake of advancing Israel who would someday bring about the Messiah. That he was on God's agenda, God's vision, if you will. And just as an example of taking territory, I want us to look at a scripture. And David became famous after he returned from striking down 18,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. He put garrisons throughout Edom, and all the Edomites became subject to David. The Lord gave David victory wherever he went. Hang on. The Lord gave David victory. The Lord gave David victory. Who gave David victory? How did he get victory? The Lord gave it to him. Now, you see, We would say, well, no, no, it wasn't really David, or was it really God? I mean, did God, did the Lord really give him victory? Because David is the one who showed up to every war. David is the one who fought in the war. David is the one who led. David is the one who sweat. David is the one who did all the work. I mean, after all, when we go to work every day, aren't we the ones that do all the work? Aren't we really the ones that make it happen? It says, and David was given victory by the Lord. In fact, look one verse ahead of this in verse 11. And King David dedicated these articles to the Lord as he had done with the silver and gold from all the nations he had subdued. You you know what that's telling you? Every time he won a war, he went into a time of worship and prayer before the Lord and dedicated himself and the plunder to the Lord because he knew the Lord had given him the victory. This, This is noteworthy. See, the most important territory David was taking was not material territory, but spiritual jot it down, get this in your head and your heart, when you're 30 to 50 and that age range, when you're in this hectic, pace-filled, blistering speed of life, trying to do everything all at once, not having enough time, hardly enough energy to accomplish it, you gotta figure out what's the most important, uh, what's the the most significant territory I'm supposed to be taking, And, and, and the Lord would remind you, spiritual territory. See, David, listen, David always had and made time for worship and prayer. Always. Stay with me. Listen, there is a danger in the age stage of 30 to 50 when you are so consumed with taking territory that you get too busy for God. Oh, we know this. We, get, we, just, we understand. Just too busy for God. And when you're too busy for God, God can't do the exceedingly abundantly beyond all we could ask or imagine because God doesn't give that to people who seek him casually, only who seek him first. Under the great weight and pressure of those seasons of the taking territory stage of life, this is the time where you figure out how to follow him with dedication, to do, if you will, a David thing because you can't follow him casually. This is the season where you get rooted in prayer. You know by by the way this we had this <laughs> We, we, we got worship and prayer night coming uh, November 1st. Anybody remember hearing about that? And and, and we were going to have sign-ups for it this past weekend. And then we had the sign-ups for it because we wanted to make sure that, that we didn't leave people who, who showed up and had no space and got turned away. And and all y'all crashed the servers, just so you know. The whole thing got messed up, shut down. Too many people signed up all at one time. Our bad, okay? Our bad, sorry. Got messed up. Way too many people signed up. So, We heard you, and if you watched any social media I sent out, okay, we've heard you. We're going to make room. We're going to do it on a Friday night, this Friday, November 1st, and at a Saturday night so that there's two of them. So there's one Friday, one Saturday, prayer and worship, 730, all centered in us being wholly devoted to him, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Y'all get a chance to sign up and be a part, and, and we heard you. We'll give two. But 30 to 50, that's the age and stage and range where you think, you know what? I just, I don't have time. And that's where you go make the time. David figured something out in that season. I can't follow him casually. I I, I have to follow him relentlessly. By the way, when you hit those stages of life and you finally pass them, which you think they'll never end. You think empty nester will never come. You pray for it from 30 to 50. You think, oh, someday, I see those people out there ahead of me. Oh, they look like they're enjoying life. (laughs) Look like they're breathing. Will I ever get there? Yes, you will, someday. I'm not quite there, but I'm getting close. And when you look back, you'll never look back and say to yourself, you know what, I wish I had done less for the kingdom of God. You'll never look back and say, oh, I wish, I wish I'd wish i done less for the kingdom of God. I wish I hadn't been so devoted to the vision of God. I wish I hadn't belonged and built something so significant for the kingdom. You will look back and say, that was the best stuff I did. As God helped me take territory? Because that's who helps me. In my marriage, in my family, with my kids, or in my single life, in my career, in the course of my life, in the kingdom of God, to transform souls, families, and communities. God does the most to help you take territory in that season like he did David. But you gotta be devoted to him. And I was thinking about a guy, Barry, uh, Morgan Roth, you know, you, you probably don't know him. He's a 12 stoner. And, and, um, you would, you, you would know he's one among us and he's now in his mid-50s. But, but I was thinking about how over time God will faithfully use those of us who are faithful to him. And Barry's one of those guys over these years. Now Barry's in his mid-50s and he gets to look back and see how God has built something up toward a legacy in the take territory season. See, Barry came to, to, to 12 Stone when we were in the Jazzercise. That's how long ago it goes, okay? So now we're going to go way back in the Jazzercise in the first three, four years of the church. And he came to the church because he wanted to play softball. <laughs> we had a little softball team. He's like, well, I want to play softball. And we got there, he found out that in order to play softball, you got to go to church twice a week or twice a month. So he got two times a month. So he only showed up twice a month because <laughs> he wanted to play softball. I love that. And, and while he's playing softball, he's like, well, I might as well find a wife while I'm here. It's only a church of 80. I don't know how you find a wife in a church of 80, but he's like, I gotta find me a wife. So he's looking around, he asked one of his friends about Marcia. <laughs> True story. And they said, uh, that's the pastor's wife. <laughs> oh, he said, well, are they getting along? <laughs> I kid you not, I kid you not. True story, famous story. Well, Barry hadn't quite come to fill faith in Jesus. You can figure that out, right? So, so Barry gets things right with Jesus. By the way, Barry, would you, any of y'all remember old stories like the, the whitewater trip that Marcia and I went on when she said be a man and I didn't want to captain the ship and the, and the raft went over and I stayed on the raft and, and Marcia and everybody else went down the river? Any of you remember that story? Well, Barry was in that raft with us, just so you know. Barry was one of the guys who went in the water and went down the river. And when he went down the river, another 12-stone raft pulled him into the boat. And the one who pulled him in the boat was Casey. Oh, she rescued him, and then they got married. Kid you not. <laughs> he found his wife on the whitewater trip. Isn't that awesome? I mean, God does cool stuff. Barry had no idea that God was doing exceedingly abundantly beyond. And, but early on, those things got settled, and he anchored his identity in Jesus. And then in that 30 to 50 season, as they were raising a couple of kids, or now one in college and one, uh, you know, a couple years away from graduating high school, through all those 20 years serving and giving, he was the one that helped us get to the land and get the first building. And he was on the team that made all that possible. Serving and giving. I want you to hear something. He, I, I barely asked permission. I just said, look, I'm going to talk about you this weekend and just let me talk freely. You know, he and Casey have given and served in every next, a new vision that God has put in the life of this church over the last 25 plus years, again and again and again and again. And when he looks back, he gets to see all that God's done in transforming families, souls, and communities. And here's all I want you to hear. God uses people like David, and God uses people like Barry, and God uses people like you. And when you are in the season from 30 to 50, you pick out what is the most important Thing you chase, and you go after taking territory spiritually first, amen. 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 Go get that first. By the way, Barry's wife Casey and my wife Marsha I mean, this goes all the way back to then. They're running buddies, they're going this January to Disney to do the dopey run. It's called Dopey for a reason. Four days. Day one, you run a 5K. Day two, you run a 10K. Day three, you run a half marathon. Day four, you run a marathon. We both think our 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 wives, they're nuts. There's something seriously wrong with them. But God bless them. And listen, listen, you have no idea right now, when you're in your 30 and under, that God is forming the relationships that will run through the whole of your life and help you in the territory-taking season to do more than just take territory materially. You'll take territory spiritually. It's just what we get to do together. Well, there's another group. I'm in it. Let's talk. This is the 50 and over group. Ah, yes, I know, I know. When you get there? And you get Pat, now listen, some, a lot of you were empty nesters years before. I, and I haven't experienced it yet, but, yet, but I'm just tasting it. Jaden's a junior in high school. This is what you all are talking about. Oh my, it's gonna be sweet. David hit his 50 and over season of life, and you're not done anchoring your. You're, you're, you're not done anchoring your identity. You've got to do that your whole life. You're not done taking territory. Do that your whole life. But there, some, listen, something happens with age. And you just become aware. You're mortal. <laughs> you're aware you're not going to live forever on this earth. And you become aware. This is the season where you get to build legacy. David built his greatest legacy from 50 to 70. But he hit his greatest vulnerability. I want to talk about it. I'm going to say it all a little too fast, but I want you to hear it. His greatest legacy. A couple of things that David figured out. The first one is he poured into the next king. You who are 50 and older, jot that down. David built into the next king. It was his son Solomon. He built into Solomon's life. Powerful. Because he knew this was going to be the next king. But, But here's what's interesting. Here's how you know. When Solomon was young... David poured into him. When Solomon became king, we have this infamous story where God came to Solomon and said, if I give you anything, if I could give you anything, it wasn't the three wishes. You know, it wasn't the genie, you get three wishes. It was you get one. What would you pick? And Solomon said, God, would you give me wisdom to lead your people because I'm too young to have the wisdom. And God said, I'm so pleased that you didn't ask for fame or fortune. I'll give you great wisdom. You'll be the wisest of anyone in your generation. And I'll give you more fortune and fame. And how did Solomon know to ask for wisdom? He talks of his own life in Proverbs. And in Proverbs chapter 4, he says, When I was a young man, I sat on my father's lap. And he told me, whatever you do, get wisdom. And the beginning of wisdom is to revere the Lord. David was telling his son, Go all the way back to anchoring your identity in God. Make sure you take spiritual territory. Be wise. And what David was doing was building his legacy into the next king. What we get to do as a church is pour into the next generation. You know, we're pouring into thousands of, 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 of kids and thousands of students and, 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 and 12 Stone at college, uh, college at Twelve Stone. But listen, one of the coolest things we do is just next generation residency. Do you know that the two-year residency, post-college residency, you, you may not know all the details that go with, but, but just let's just celebrate this. We have now trained and sent out some 300 pastors and worship leaders across the country through our residency here, and we ought to be proud of that. That's one of the best things we get to do together as a church. See, that's pouring into the next kings, so to speak. But there was a second thing that David did. He resourced the worship of God. He resourced the worship of God. Look at this from Chronicles when it finally came to to the temple. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. See, David was setting up the temple. And even though it wasn't going to be all for David, he knew it was going to be all for God. He was helping resource the worship of God. Part of what we get to do, 50s and older, is pour into the next generation and resource the worship of God. We go after a vision. We're part of something bigger than us. And you know, there's a great danger, and let me just give it to you. The danger is you start thinking about retirement from your work, but you end up retiring from the kingdom. oh. Listen, feel free, retire from work. You just don't retire from the kingdom or the calling because then you drift in ways you never imagined. David, when kings were supposed to be at war, went adrift. When kings were supposed to be at war, he decided to retire from his calling. And then he fell into lust and then adultery with Bathsheba and then lying, and then murder, and then drifting in his fellowship with God. This all happened in his early 50s. You can build so wisely through your life, but when you start retiring from the kingdom, you start drifting in ways you never imagined. Don't drift. Listen, I thought by the time I got to 50s, that God would at least ease up on the pressure for me to grow up anymore. <laughs> Haven't I crossed enough gates, done enough? But you know, I've been keeping you up to date. You know, I had a restoration with my dad. Many of you know that story this past January where I said, God, I want more of you. He said, then be more like me. You don't forgive and restore. So God has started a restoration with my dad and that's been good. Uh, and I've been walking that. And then last month, a little press again. God's saying, hey, why don't you complete this? I'm like, complete it out. He's never met your kids. Practically speaking, my dad never met my, my kids. They wouldn't know him if they bumped into him. Or my grandkids. And I felt the Lord just whisper, it would be good for you to fly him down for Thanksgiving. I'm like, I don't know that I'm going to do that. <laughs> well, let me just finish if you're going to do that. <laughs> so, uh, uh, got a hold of dad, and he's coming down, and for the first time this Thanksgiving, uh, he's going to be at our house. First time he's ever been at our house ever, and he's going to meet all his kids, all my kids, all his grandkids. Why? Because, listen, because God's still growing his kingdom stuff in us. What's God growing in you, through you? See, God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. See, when we ask the question off the top, when God invites us to belong and build his vision with him, what is he building in you? Depending on your season of life, he's building these same three things in all of us. Anchoring identity, take territory, build legacy. And wherever you are in that, God's building that in you. When you buy in and belong to the vision, God's building this in you. So let him do exceedingly above all you could ask or imagine. And I want to pray that prayer over you, bow your heads. I want to pray the very prayer that, that Paul prayed over the church, that from Ephesians 3, that God would do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. So for this reason, I kneel before you, Father, on behalf of our church and across the campuses and online and all who are listening and would receive this prayer. I kneel before you, Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of your glorious riches that you may strengthen them with power through your spirit in their inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may know the power of Christ together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the full measure of all the fullness of God and now to him who is able to do immeasurably more immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen amen church amen it's because of what Jesus already has done
2: that we can come and worship in the presence of God so let's come